What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Emily Gigliotti. She is the founder and producer of the Purpose Project Podcast. As an avid athlete and go-getter, Emily loves to use her energy to encourage others to find their purpose and push themselves to new limits. She is also someone who has consistently pushed through adversity and pivoted her own life to make sure she lives out her own true purpose. Parts of this conversation brought chills to me because of the impact sports have had on my own life. So anyone who has had a past or present passion for competition and how it helps us in all areas of life, you will really enjoy this conversation. So please help me continue my passion and find your own purpose by tuning in to an epic episode with Emily Gigliotti. What's up, y'all? Back for another episode on the Thrive on Life podcast, and I am super excited for today's conversation because I get to have it with somebody who is also a podcast host, and she interviewed me two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Two weeks ago, yeah. Awesome. So I'm really excited. Now I get to grill her because she grilled me, and I'd love to welcome Mrs. Emily Gigliotti. And how are you doing today, Emily? I am great. Super excited to be here. Like you said, ready to be grilled. I was like trying to like get my mindset, mind ready to be tested on myself. So I'm really excited to just sit down, chat with you for um, all your listeners on your podcast. It wasn't easy getting you on here. And I don't mean getting you on the show. <laughs> Five minutes ago, we literally were probably struggling for the past 15 minutes trying to figure out Zencaster. There was an issue. So if there's any listeners out there, um, I've been on Zencaster for a little bit now, and it seems to be giving me some issues. So if you have any other technologies to help us out here, please let me know. And if you're a Zencaster employee, maybe get your shit together um, because <laughs> some of us rely on this technology for our business. But I don't want to start off the episode in a negative light. Emily runs a podcast called The Purpose project. And one of the things that we went through was my purpose on that show. And I really was enlightened by all the questions that you were asking, and I had to have you on the show. So kind of the first question I wanted to ask you is, what was the purpose behind the purpose project? Because I didn't really get to ask that on the show, but I would love to hear it because it's such a good brand name. And yeah, I'm just really interested in people's purposes as well. And hearing why you started that podcast, I think is a great way to start. Well, thank you. And it's been a long time coming. I'm not going to lie. I've actually tried to start a podcast in general three times before. First time was about two years ago with one of my best friends. We wanted to start a podcast on dating in the city. And I live in Philadelphia. So we were both single 20-year-olds trying like dating apps and all these things. And we wanted to create a podcast. That didn't work out. And I decided that I still wanted to do a podcast. So I decided to try to start my own again. I did like the first few steps that you take to create a podcast and then questioned myself. The imposter syndrome came in immensely. And I had to question myself and be like, do I really want to do this? Do I not? Is this the right time in my life? So when I'm not 110% a hell yes, it's a hell no. So I took a step away from it. And then back la middle of last year in 2019, I decided to just go gung-ho on it, buy the podcast microphone, get the music, like the software, all of it. And the podcast before The Purpose Project was actually called Dear Diary Podcast. And I mean, we talk about this on our episode that we did together, CJ, but when I first started the podcast, all I wanted to do it was for me. I just wanted to have conversations that maybe would help one person down the line. That's the main reason I want to start a podcast. So I was like, why am I not creating a podcast and just calling it a diary? Because I'm literally just going to be talking about what's on my heart every single day. And I actually created about 20 episodes with that podcast. But the problem that it came to was, and this was probably in January of this year, I realized that I wasn't excited to record a podcast episode. Mm -hmm. I was just recording whatever was on my heart. And yes, that's important. 
But I also felt like I wasn't helping people with that because it was only what's important to me and it wasn't what's important to other people. So I started questioning my brand and I went through this really long process of I just sat down and like questioned myself like every single day for a few weeks. And I decided to change the name to The Purpose Project because I am very interested in what other people's purposes are and I have no idea what my purpose is. And I'm, I truly believe that even when you get to be the age 30, 40, 50, whatever it is, we're consistently finding our purpose. And I realize through all of my experiences in my undergraduate degree and now I'm in grad school, I learned so much more from other people's experiences than from a textbook. So I thought, why not bring people on a podcast, still have those episodes where I'm talking by myself and having that dear diary nonsense, but have those episodes where I bring on people who inspire me and who may inspire others with their story, their career, their purposes, whatever it may be. And that's, that's where we've gotten to now. I'm almost 40 episodes in, like eight months of this, and I don't see it stopping anytime soon. So it's been, it's been really, really exciting. That's such a good story. And I love how it's funny because I'm on a panel tonight called The Power of the Pivot. And I think a lot of people underestimate the ability of adaptation and how powerful that is as a human being of recognizing because mm-hmm. you got 20 episodes in. Like that's no joke. Like yeah, 20 episodes in is yeah, that 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 it, a lot of people get like a one or two or three episodes in, then they like kind of shift. But you were 20 episodes in, which that's a lot of time. And for you to take a step back and actually pivot in a new direction, like that takes a lot of confidence. And what my question with that is, what was like the deciding factor in actually pivoting? Because when you're going through your first podcast, you obviously you're you're releasing episodes and you're starting to realize like okay maybe it's not as valuable to other people mm-hmm. was it other people reaching out to you or like what made you realize that because i think a lot of people stay stuck in the mud longer than they should rather there's this book uh called essentialism and it talks about how like really good entrepreneurs and really successful people they're actually really good at quitting things it's not that they're really good at sticking through things. They're actually really good at quitting things and saying hell no to the things that you're talking about. But in that instance for your podcast, what what truly was it that led to that? Was it somebody else saying something? Like what what gave you that kind of thing in your heart where you're like, I have to stop this immediately and and pivot? You know, it was, I think, during that time when I first started my podcast, I feel like Podcasts just started blowing up over the past two years. So back in like the beginning of 2019 was when they really started blowing up. And I listen to podcasts. I probably listen to podcasts more than I do music, honestly, because why wouldn't you? It's so much knowledge that you can gain. And I felt like during that time when I started my podcast, I was consuming so much of it because I wanted to learn from how other podcasts were doing it, how micro podcasts, the ones that are smaller, how I was, what they were doing, trying to emulate what they're doing. And I realized through listening to all these podcasts, big and small, that all of these episodes that they were producing, these people they were bringing on, and I felt so good after listening to them. And I went to go back and listen to my old episodes. And it just sounded like I was just talking. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes I appreciate a good like chat, sit down where you feel like you're sitting with a friend. But I also... I liked the way I felt from listening to other people's podcasts, how they made me feel like after I pressed end on the podcast and stop, I was going to get up out of my chair and go do something great. That's the feeling that I love getting from podcasts. And that's what my subscription list in my Spotify or Apple podcast is full of podcasts that inspire me and want me to go do better each and every day. And I felt like my podcast wasn't offering that. So it was more of how am I going to provide more value not only to, and we talk about this on our episode on my podcast, I want to start providing more value to me too. And I think that's the main reason I started like this transition was because I wanted to learn more about it. And during our episode that we recorded on the Purpose Project, CJ and I talk about how I feel like I'm not feeling fulfilled right now in my podcast because I'm not doing it for me anymore. And it needs to go back to the whole thing is that if you love what you're doing, then that's all that should matter. And I've realized that after our episode, I feel so much more inspired to go back into the podcast and just talk to more people and learn from more people. And 
everything. I think that's the main reason I did the redirection was because I felt like I wasn't gaining enough value from my own episodes. So how are other people supposed to gain that value, you know? Yeah, I, I love what you're talking about here. It's such a fine line between being valuable but also being selfish because mm-hmm. there's so many questions I personally want to ask my guests that I want to know, but I have to go into my head and be like, is this going to be valuable for the audience? Because mm-hmm. it's it's great the way that you just said, it's great that I connected with you because that is the type of person I want to connect with. The person that wants to listen to the podcast and go take action. Like I want to help change people's behaviors. Talking doesn't really I, I can't change somebody. I can't yell at somebody and change them. Like, hey, you need to eat better or work out or study. Like that never, ever, ever works. And it never worked mm-hmm. with me either. Like a teacher told me to go study. I'm like, I'm going to go skateboard, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> that's just how it worked. But it's the purpose behind it that changes the behavior. So mm-hmm. really like it's cool for me because what I think about is you reflected and you said, I need to have a purpose behind this podcast to keep me motivated to continue to go. And that purpose sort of became finding other people's purpose and finding value. Did you always reflect like that or where in your life kind of taught you to take a step back and and reflect? Because that takes self-awareness and not everybody has that, especially if if you're in the entrepreneurial world, you start realizing real quick, like some business owners have it, other -hmm. business owners don't. Even in the corporate world, it's the same thing. Like, People will say things and you're just like, did you did you like take a step back and like actually think about what you just said? But for you to pivot from what it sounds like to me, like you, you were reflecting on, wow, I really want to be valuable to my audience. Where in your life, was it your childhood? Was it sports? Was it college? Like where did you create that reflection? I asked this question because there's a lot of people out there, I think that especially in COVID right now and a lot of people are starting to reflect, but I want to continue to always change that behavior and make people reflect even more. That is such a good question. And I can think of multiple situations. I mean, my parents obviously brought me up to always be challenging myself to be better each day and to go for the harder task, not to make it so easy on myself. And I was always taught to not be comfortable either. You have to always want more, but not in a selfish way. You always want to keep learning and keep growing and keep becoming a better person. So they really instilled that to me when I was younger. But I truly think that really settled in on me. And like after I went through my bratty teenage years and all that, but it truly settled in when I started like becoming an athlete. And um, so I was a collegiate softball player for two years. I played my freshman and sophomore year at a division two level. And just being an athlete, every single play that you make, every single at bat that you have, it's a reflection immediately after. I was always taught by that my coaches. They even say, I hit a home run, walk home, hit home plate, celebrate for five minutes. What did I do wrong? What could I have done better? Like, even though I hit the home run. And that's the mindset that I was always taught. It's the mindset of you should be proud, but never settle. And that's one, I remember it distinctly. I was walking to um, my coach's car after a game. We were down in Pennsylvania at a tournament. And I hit a home run that game, had a really good at-bats, really good defense. And he was like, I'm proud of you, um, but don't settle. Like, just because you did great, that doesn't mean you stop there. And so every single opportunity I have, I think I really take time to reflect and even in like job opportunities, internships, school, every single time that I have something in front of me, I always say, what can I do better? And don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect. There are definitely times that I don't have that mindset. And I think during COVID, that's where I've kind of fallen off of that is I've really started to like become comfortable in this discomfort. And that's not okay. You should be comfortable with being uncomfortable. But I think COVID's really put a wrench in all of it. But I mean, I could dive into so many other stories, but I think the main thing is being an athlete. I think CJ, you can really attest to that too, because you were an athlete as well. It's it's just ingrained in you when you're playing a sport. It gives it gives me chills. Like I, I wrote down that like sports, like Simon Sinek has the video I talk about all the time, mm-hmm. like start with why, right? And he has the book Start with Why. But sports really teach you to start with why, because whether you win or you lose, you're always reflecting on why did we win or why did we lose? Yeah. So after every game, we go back to the drawing board. So it's kind of like the every day is day one type of mentality. Mm-hmm. My best teams, the best teams that I was ever on, that's how they approached it. Like every day was day one. 
every game yep. was game one. We never, we never ever like looked at past games. We only looked at like what what was the next team we're playing? Like as soon mm-hmm. as we won or lost, it was like, why did we lose this game? And it we would go through it that day and or within the 24 hours. And then immediately was on, okay, how do we take from that 24 hours and implement into the next game, which is 72 hours away? And every yeah. single time that's what we focus on. And now that you brought that point up, it makes me reflect on like even with this podcast, a lot of people I've talked to that have like started podcasts and other things, I asked them if they watch their stuff, their own stuff. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, a lot of people don't because they're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to watch me or I don't want to hear me or, and that's where I take the approach of like, you have to be selfish to be selfless. And mm-hmm. the way that you be selfish is if I listen to every episode I ever put out, I can grill myself. And my goal is always to like shine light on you and the guests. And the only way that I can do that every single day and get better is like forget all the previous episodes. And I only look at this one, like, and how do I just get 1% better mm-hmm. on that next one? And that a hundred percent came from sports. So I appreciate you bring that up because I have my buddy Corey in here. Shout out Claw Athletics. We had our meeting this morning and we always talk about Michael Jordan and the last dance and, and a ton of sports analogies and how like I'm from Philly, so I hate Boston, but like the Patriots have such a good system, no matter the plug and play system. And I just relate all that to business. And that's why I'm so keen on having systems in your business. And I think one of the most important systems that I implement is the people system. And within that mm-hmm. people system is your why and building your culture. And I love that you started a podcast around helping other people talk about that because really that's what the average everyday person were not taught in school. But I'd love to learn because I didn't ask this on the on the podcast. How did you even hear about me? I didn't even because it happened so fast. You're like, hey, do you want to be on this? And I'm very like gung ho. If someone reaches out to me and is like, you want to be on a podcast? I love doing this type of stuff. So unless I'm like on vacation or something, it's like, hell yes, let's do it. I'd love to meet you. How did you even hear about myself and Thrive? So funny. Yeah. So I follow, I don't even know how to pronounce her name, Serena Belang. Serena. 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 Yes. She's friends with one of my friends, Genevieve. And we started following each other after Genevieve was on my podcast. And either she was on your podcast or you were on her podcast, but she posted a video recording of you guys talking. And I was like, that dude, I need him on the podcast. Like <laughs> I need that. I Not even on the podcast. I need to know you as a person. I need to create that connection. And that's another thing with the podcast too. And I feel like you probably feel the same way is when you reach out to these people and you start to know these people other than like off social media, that's the best part about having a podcast is you meet so many freaking phenomenal people that I, I would have never met like 30 or 40 of the people that I have in my life now that are close connections to me if it weren't for this podcast. So yeah, I saw her, uh, you on her story and I was like, and then I went through your feed and saw all your like IGTVs and I'm like, yup, that's happening. This is amazing because, okay, so Serena's episode drops tomorrow. I met Serena because of my friend Wyatt. Somehow he connected us through IG and then your friend Genevieve tagged, I think our episode that you had me on. This is total sidebar, but this is anybody that's listening. I want to inspire you to do these types of things because Emily is so spot on. Like anywhere I go, any city I go to, I have so many people that I connect with and reach out to Mm -hmm. and meet up with in person because of digital media. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm not a genius. Like we, we work really hard, but anybody can do it. And the thing about Genevieve is she tagged, I guess she listened to our episode on your podcast. She tagged me. So then I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, like, thank you so much. And I was like, I'd love feedback and criticism because that's how I am. It's funny because you just talked about like the sports thing. I'm always a day one type of person. So you listen to the podcast. I'm like, what'd you think about it? And I was like, don't sugarcoat that shit with me. Like actually tell me like, how do we get better? Because that helps me serve more people, be selfish to be selfless. And she literally wrote me an email of like, this is what was great. This is the feedback. And now I'm going to have her on my podcast. So it's a whole big circle of people that kind of connected all through like the podcast and digital sphere. But I wanted to tell you that story because it honestly started, well, Wyatt and Serena, but like, because you had that podcast, now I'm connected to yourself and Genevieve as well. So like just 
and this is all for everybody listening. This is within a three week span. Like it's Literally. not, I didn't know who Serena was either. So, but she seemed really, I looked at her content and I was like, wow, like I'd love to have you, you're putting really good content out around mental health and stuff like that. And it's such a big thing now. I'd love to, to chat with you. And that was our first conversation. And then that led to you and I's first conversation, which is now going to lead to Genevieve and I's first conversation. That makes me so happy. But yeah, that that's kind of like a runaround story. So I just wanted to tell you that, um, and again, completely sidebar, but I want the the audience to know that all these things happen if you just put yourself out there. And that's kind of like the next kind of like little phase that I wanted to go into was what were your biggest fears around starting your podcast? So was your first podcast, if it was about a diary, like you didn't have any guests or anything, correct? No, no, it was just me, myself, and I. I feel like that's scarier than having a guest. Oh, yeah. Like, so what was going through your mind like when you released that that first thing? Because I think a lot of people struggle with, they have this idea of, I'm going to start a podcast, but uh, how am I ever going to be Joe Rogan? Or like, you can't go from zero to one million mm-hmm. real fast. Like the Drake song, Zero to 100 real quick. Like that's not real life. Um, no, it's not. How, do you, <laughs> how did you feel like when you first started your podcast? And what did you do to kind of like, get started? You know, I reflect back to that time a lot because that was one of the most rocky road experiences of my, just that time period in general. When I started the podcast, I was maybe three quarters of the way through my last year of my undergraduate degree, trying to figure out where the heck I was going in life. I didn't know if I was applying to grad school or not. I didn't know where I wanted my career to go or not. I was a very what if person. I had one or two friendships that I was really close with, really not that many people because I was so focused on me. I was so focused on figuring out where the heck I was going next. I'm very thankful that my family helps me where they can, but I am 90% financially stable by myself. So I have to work 24-7. So I was working on top of that 60 hours a week at a restaurant and this, this, and that, and just trying to figure it out. And I think during that time, because I spent so much time by myself, I realized that at the end of the day, it's me, myself, and I. So I think during that time period is where I really gained confidence in myself because I realized that I don't need to lean on other people to give me confidence. And that's something that I'm still working on to this day. But I think going from where I was when I transferred from my first university to the second university, moved to Philadelphia without knowing a single soul and just trying to figure it out, that time period of my life was so just revolutionary for me. And it really just allowed me to step into my first, I'd like to say first phase of me because I truly believe that we're going to continue to grow each and every year, every phase of our life. But that time really allowed me to gain confidence in myself. So at that point I was by myself just doing my own thing and I wanted to do this. And at that time I was like, if I want to do it, I'm going to do it. So I just recorded without even having a script the first episode, just wanted to talk, tell my story, and that was it. And I remember being so freaking afraid to press publish because I hadn't told anyone. I didn't tell my family. I didn't tell my friends. I didn't tell anyone that I invested in all of this. I just was like, I'm doing it for me. Don't need, I don't need praise from anyone. So I uploaded it. And then about two hours after I uploaded it, I posted it on my socials just to like make it official that I also have to keep myself accountable now because people know what's happening. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Emily Gigliotti. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. 
And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the convo with Emily. So I posted that and the amount of feedback that I got was like mind blowing. And I knew after that point that the feeling that I got after hitting done on recording, it just took so much stress off my shoulders too, just to talk and feel like I was talking to someone by myself. But I definitely give that confidence to the the tough crap that I went through the year before, just really leaning on me, myself and I to get through things. And I don't want to say that not saying that I didn't have friends and family there for me because I definitely did. But there's certain, I feel like, and I, you, I feel like you can attest this with your story. There's certain times in your life that you just have to go through things alone and you just have to deal with your crap like on your own and just go through all the mental stuff that you have to deal with. And definitely those two years prior to that was that time for me and um, definitely gave you, gave me that confidence to continue to push through and post publish on that episode. That's so powerful what you just said, because I think a lot of people, and I was just listening to a Noah, Noah Kagan, I think a lot of people, I'm get, trying to get better at finishing my thought. Uh, one of my podcast managers mentioned this to me. So I always want to be vulnerable on these things and, and talk about what I'm struggling with. And you'll notice I'm choppy sometimes, and this is where I just did it. So I caught myself. But it's one of those things that is super powerful, and I think a lot of people will relate. So that's the first point I wanted to make. The second point is I was just listening to a, a Noah Kagan podcast with uh, Matt Dejer from Yes Theory, and they literally were talking about being alone versus like having to always be around somebody. So Yes mm-hmm. Theory is a company that's always doing badass things, always re- like have a crew. And Noah was talking about how he likes to do things with people and he, he struggled to be alone, but now he's finding solitude to be really extremely helpful to him. And I can relate to it. It's one of the reasons I have a wolf tattooed on my bicep is I love to be a lone wolf, but also lead packs. And Mm. there's such a fine line between, it's just a reminder to me that like the leader of the pack or of any pack, you're going to have to go into the dark, the darkness first. Mm -hmm. And every tattoo I have means something. And that's what that, that wolf means. Like most people just think it's like, you just get things because they're cool. But for me, it's (laughs) really like throughout my life, I feel like I've been the guy that like pushes and people love me or hate me for this. I push people's buttons. Like just like before Mm -hmm. we got on this episode, Emily was like, I know you're about to grill me in some areas. Like that's just who I've always been. And the podcast has been my ability to kind of lean into that person who I truly am. And I really appreciated you allowing me to come onto your podcast and share that story and that purpose behind it. But let's shift gears a little bit here. There's obviously a person behind the podcast and that person isn't just all about work. What what does your life look like? You mentioned moving to to Philadelphia. Where did you go to school? Where did you grow up? Like who was Emily before the podcast? And then we'll kind of dive a little bit into like when you're not recording, what does your life look like? Yeah. So first and foremost, I think this is gonna be very funny because you mentioned it earlier that you hate them, but I'm originally from Boston. Ah. So <laughs> I grew up in a little town about 45 minutes outside of the city. And lived there for about 18 years of my life. And then when I decided I wanted to play collegiate softball, I started to get recruited. And I was looking all over, mainly Pennsylvania, though. I don't know what stuck with me, but Pennsylvania was just where I wanted to go. So I ended up playing Division II softball at Shippensburg University, and I loved my time there. It was a momentous moment in my life, just reaching a goal that I had worked so hard for. I was the person that I would spend every hour of the day thinking about softball. I mean, when you have a sport, it's your entire life. Like it it was my why. Every morning when I woke up, I thought, when am I practicing today? When am I hitting on the tee? When am I talking to my coach? Whatever it may be. It was literally my life. That's all I cared about. And it created me into the person I am today. So I'm very thankful for that time. And collegiate athletics is a completely different beast. But during that time, I went through a really tough situation and ended up sadly falling out of love with the game. And it was pretty sad how it happened, but I'm not going to get into the details. 
But long story short, I ended up falling into a semi of a depression during that time. And I talked about with my boyfriend at the time, I was like, oh, I want to transfer. I want to maybe go play softball at another school, like something. And he was like, no, 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 you're, you're good. Like he was trying to talk me down from it, which I appreciated that at the time because I was probably spiraling. But, and then a few months later, I, he ended up breaking up with me, which was my first really hard breakup. So that happened. And then I put two and two together and realized that I was just falling out of love with the game. And I'm sure other people can attest to this, but when something is your 24 seven and is your why and is your what, and I'm talking about softball in this case, when I realized I fell out of love with it. And also at the time I lost my best friend too. It's like your whole world comes crumbling down and you have nothing to really focus on when you wake up every morning. And so it was just a really revolutionary time for me because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing next, but we're going to do something. So I actually had an internship lined up months before this all happened that following summer. So this is the the summer before my junior year of college. And I got an internship working for a collegiate baseball league back in Massachusetts. And it was the first time working for baseball. I don't know why I've never thought career was in baseball. Like it's a huge freaking industry, like sport in general. So I ended up working doing game day operations. I was like on the field with kids. I was in the stand with a microphone, just running things. And it was the most exhilarating summer of my entire life. And I gained a few really great mentors during that time. And I was like, this is what I want my life to be. I want my life to be surrounded around the sport, even if I'm not playing it anymore. So that summer was really life-changing for me. And then to where I transferred, I transferred to Temple University. And the story behind that is really interesting because I didn't, I wasn't going to transfer until the spring of my junior year. So I was going to stick out one more semester at Shippensburg, but I want to start touring in the summer. So my mom and I went down to Philadelphia and to uh, Temple and never had I ever been to Philadelphia before, walked on campus and I was like, I want to come here. Like, this is where I want to go next. Like, this is the next step in my life. I can feel it. Like, it's just that sensation that you could feel it in your gut. And so we ended up, my mom's like, let's go talk to the admissions office and like, see what we can do. At this time, like transfer admissions totally passed, like three weeks passed. I was like, mom it's not going to happen. She's like, let's just go try. So after we did the tour, we went to the admissions office and we were talking to a lady at the front desk. And I was like, what can I do? X, Y, Z. And she was like, you really want to come here? And I was like, I do. She was like, here's an application on paper, sit down, office closes in 30 minutes, write your essay on paper. While you're writing your essay on paper, your mom sends over your transcripts from Chippensburg to us. And she said, I'll put it in the pile for you. And two weeks later, I got accepted to Temple. And then a week later, I moved to Philadelphia. And then from there, it just like, I gained so many experiences and relationships and leadership moments and all these things. And to fast forward now, I am in grad school at Temple. I graduated in May of 2019 with my undergrad in marketing. And now I am in grad school at Temple again, getting my sport business degree with a concentration in recreation and event management, following those steps I had for myself back in the summer of 2017, trying to eventually work in baseball. So that's long, long spiel, but that's basically how I've gotten to today. <laughs> There's so much to unravel just I know. with that story. <laughs> um, just thank you for sharing that and running us through that. And what I grasp from that story is honestly just grit. Like just being gritty and going after what you want and not really like like you said earlier on the podcast, not really listening to the outside noise and just going with your gut. And I applaud that because that's that's something that I do and I think a lot of people struggle with. So when I meet other people that do that same thing. And also I just want to say I fucking love this conversation and where how we ended up at this point because you mentioned falling out of love with a sport. And I think that's something that a lot of people especially as males, like we don't get the chance to be as vulnerable as, as women do. It's just Mm -hmm. how society operates. And for me, it's crazy how you brought that up because it relates to my life literally right now. I played sports since I was three years old and thrive when I, when I started it really was, it became my sport. Like thrive on life Mm -hmm. became my sport because when I graduated college and stopped playing I played recreation sports after college, but I also stopped doing that um, because I started working and it was just like, I didn't feel like driving 30 minutes and it was just Mm -hmm. taking too much of my time. 
I started losing myself. And to be honest, like it up until I'd say COVID, I feel like I'd lost a piece of myself because I mm -hmm. fell out of love with that sport and I didn't know who I was anymore. And I kind of like shifted my energy too much into entrepreneurship and realized, holy shit, like I used to be this really great athlete. What the fuck happened to me? Like I was still working out and doing things, but I realized that the fear of, I didn't want to step on the field and not be as good as I once mm -hmm. was. And that fear is what kept me kind of like from going back. And when COVID hit, I did a lot of self-reflecting and I was like, and I'm also about to turn 30. So that's another reason that I started thinking like, I'm about to turn 30. I was like, wow, it was a decade ago that like I was basically at my peak, as I would say, mm -hmm. as a collegiate athlete, the 20 year old guy working at, I could work out three times a day, party, do all the things. And I started thinking to myself, I'm better than I was then. Like right now I'm better. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to prove that to myself. So I started like, I've been shooting basketballs and I've been running and biking and doing all these things that are like getting me back into that sport mode. And the premise of this story that I'm telling you guys is because going back to pivoting and how Emily has pivoted through her life, like Thrive, I'm somewhat in a pivot right now where I started to make it more of like a business thing and started realizing like that's not what Thrive is. That's just what my like career is. Thrive mm -hmm. is this community of people that are just trying to get better. And now I'm working on separating those, but it, I had to roll back my ego, take a step back and be like, I was putting too much of CJ into this thing and losing who CJ really was. And I tell this story because my question now for you is, since you're not playing, how has that felt like to you? Because for me, I didn't really realize how much I, f I just fucking love sports. And mm -hmm. it was so much a part of my life that I kind of just put under the rug for the past probably six or seven mm -hmm. years. And I'm just now starting to come back to like, wow, like that's really who I, who I am and I love it. But for you, what is that feeling like of being off the field and how does that have an impact on your life? So like even when you were just talking about that, I get the chills and I get that heart-wrenching feeling because it's the worst feeling in the world to like feel like a piece of you is missing. And that's exactly how sport felt for me for so long. And I was neglecting the emotions that I still had behind the sport for three years after I quit, trying to convince myself that it's okay to quit. It's okay not to play what you love anymore. It's okay this, okay that. Like trying to convince myself that it's okay when I don't need to do that. I have validity in all of my emotions and every reason I needed to, to leave the sport, but it was refinding myself and I'm still doing it to this day. And I think it's funny that you asked that because I've been okay dealing with it up until this point. I've really just put myself into my career and into this master's program. I feel like being studying sport 24-7, it's really given me that team atmosphere and that competitiveness with not only myself, but my colleagues and just the things that we're learning about is all around that. But since co when COVID started, I decided to leave Philadelphia for a little bit and move back home with my mom and my little sister. And my little sister right now is going through the college process of trying to get recruited in softball. So I usually am working like 40, 50 hours a week. I never get time to watch her games. I haven't watched her, one of her games in like a year's time. So when I moved back home because of COVID and I was there for about four months, I was able to go to every single one of her games and cheer her on. And it felt so weird, CJ, being on the sidelines and not being on the field. I felt myself like crawling on the fence and I'm like, I just want to be there. <laughs> I want to be back on the field. And one of her, like she was going through all this stuff and I was trying to coach her through it. And I had this moment where I sat back and I was like, I want the game still in my life, but that doesn't mean I need to play it. Like, I, like you said, I don't think I'll ever be at the caliber of that exact sport. Like I probably won't be able to hit a home run like I used to because I was practicing that skill yeah. every day for like five hours a day. I probably won't be able to do that again. But the knowledge that I have towards the sport and the person that I have built myself into now, I'm a better person today than I was when I played the sport. So how can I bring the sport back into my life? And that's through coaching. 
And I didn't put that together until I was coaching her and trying to teach her how to go through college interviews with coaches, how to send an email to a college coach, like her swing, like just telling her little things like my little sister. And I realized that like, I have such a passion for helping people. And I've realized that through the podcast and everything. And COVID really allowed me to realize that coaching is where I want to be. And I want the sport back in my life. But like you said, I need to put my ego aside and realize that I don't need to be the best at the sport anymore, but I have the knowledge still and the experience from my past to help people become the best players that they can be and grow into hopefully amazing young professionals off the field. I love that. And to me, my immediate thought goes to switch what your home run is. Like that's, that's kind of like what this whole like past six months has been for me is like switching the way that I look at life and like what I thought a home run was and like what I thought, like I wouldn't go to the field and play the sports like power to you. Like I can't even watch, like I can't watch because I'm, I'm just like, I have to play. Like it's, it's, it's just ingrained in me to, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go 180 miles an hour. And like, that's just been me since I was a little kid, but I'm peeling that layer back and figuring out like why that is, and then pushing that 180 miles in a different way. So like a good example is like, we run every week on Tuesday mornings. My one buddy, Mike wanted to get people out to do a six minute mile. And what it turned into is just a group of people just going out there, running their hardest to run this mile. And then every week you try to beat their time. And I love it because it allows me to compete with myself, which is really all that I care about. Like I played team sports most of my life, but all I really cared about was CJ getting better over the time and then helping my team get better over the time. Wins and losses, like they fade, but you getting better as a team and you enjoying that experience, like that lasts your lifetime. And it just feels like a team again, even though we're all running at different paces and different times. And it feels like I have that, that team again. And I'm realizing like, the 180 miles per hour that I'm running now, like in a direction is more so seeing other people succeed as well as me. And I think when we're younger, just like you said, it was, it was you, 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 like, how do I hit the home run? Not just once, but then once I go back, reflect, how does Emily hit it again? Now I'm like taking a step back of like, okay, I ran a certain mile, but when I, how do I get another person out there to just run like Mm -hmm. the next week? So my mind I've noticed has switched from, okay, how to see not only like, cause I still practice myself. It's giving me something to practice towards, but my mind drifts into the 180 miles is more. So how do I get two more people out next week to then do that? Which I guess falls in line with, with your coaching upon graduating grad school. What do you see kind of your path being? Is it coaching? Is it being at sports venues, like what does it look like? Obviously we can't read the future, but if you could snap your fingers, what would that be? So as long as I could ever remember, like when I first got this idea of, I want to work in baseball in my head, I love leading people and I love allowing people to become better individuals, either personally, professionally, mentally, physically, whatever it may be. That's always a passion of mine. So I always thought of the top. I mean, who doesn't want to reach the top and like be the top leader of all sorts? So I want to eventually become a general manager in minor league baseball. And there are very few at this time. And being a woman in sports that is mostly male dominated is another thing as well. So when I started grad school, that was my main focal point. And it still is to this day. I would love to reach that milestone one day. But I think going forward and I graduate this May, so very soon. But when I graduate, I think I just want to make sure that whatever I'm doing, wherever I am, whatever position I'm in, I just want to be working within a team atmosphere and inspiring others to just get better, including myself. And like you said, I think the one thing I miss the most about sport is that team atmosphere and having those people to not only push you, but you having people to push as well. Everyone knows me as the loud, obnoxious, too passionate person because when I was on the field, I was yelling. I was like all up in people's faces in a good way, but inspiring people to work harder and put more effort in and to leave all your blood, sweat, and tears on the field. And that's how I want to be in my career and eventually coach. So I actually have, I set a goal for myself after this past summer watching my sister play. I said, I have two years to find a team to coach. 
I will be coaching a, like, I don't care what age, um, middle school, younger elementary, whatever it may be, but I will be coaching a softball team within the next two years because I need that in my life. I just need it. It's just something that I don't want to live without anymore. And I want the game as much as I used to, but in a different sense now, which is interesting because I don't think I ever would have said that five years ago when I was playing the game. I never imagined what it would be like without the sport. And I think that's something too important to remember for people who are still playing the sport is that one day it may end. But it doesn't mean it has to end completely. Like it can still be in your life in different ways. Like you are, you're still being competitive, but running every week with a bunch of buddies. Like that's still sport in itself. You don't have to be playing on a competitive team in order to be considered playing sport. And that's something I've also had to teach myself is that I can be an athlete without being an athlete, if that makes sense. Oh, chills on that one. That was great. I can't wait to watch you become the GM of that team. It was super cool to immediately when I ask her, you can't see this, but we're on Zoom right now. Immediately when I ask her that question, you see your eye, you see your eyes light up and you have an answer. And that's really all I've asked ask of people. And if you're listening right now, if you don't have an answer to kind of that question, because I'll ask a lot of people like, what does the next few years look like? What is like if you don't have some sort of goal, like I don't care whether the goal shifts, but if you have no goal, you can't fucking score. Like mm-hmm. you're just meandering through life and Life cannot be taken for granted at any yeah. at any point. And the easiest way not to take life for granted is to understand who you are and your goal of where you want to go and how you're going to – a little bit of how you're going to get there. The how is always gray because how I ended up here, there's a lot of fucking things that happen that I have no clue <laughs> how it happened the way it happened. Um, but we generally have a rough plan. Uh, the, the, the sports term is the separation is in the preparation. So mm-hmm. preparing for, for all that. And I love how you just said, just, you don't have to necessarily play a, some type of team sport or standardized sport to still be an athlete. And I think that's really where my ego was getting the best of me mm-hmm. of, I wasn't really thinking of myself as an athlete anymore. And it just felt like something was wrong like something was off and i would look at i'm not the type of person that looks at social media or anything like that but i would be seeing some stories come up from other people doing some really impressive feats and usually i'm the type of person that is like man that's fucking badass i'm proud of them but i started thinking like what the hell like why am i not doing that why why like i can do that why am i not and then COVID happens and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And now we're all, I'm on this path of, okay, just like you, like kind of set my eyes on, okay, I'm going to become this athlete and then maybe I can help other people become better athletes. And I think again, like where I got lost and it reminds me of you talking about like your podcast is I got lost in kind of the opposite of what you, you struggled with, which where you were telling your your story and you found that you weren't necessarily valuable i was overly trying to be valuable with something and trying to piv- constantly pivot and mold and rather than taking a step back and being like what the fuck like what do i want to do what who is cj what does cj want out of life and this this combo has been re- really cool hearing your story because it relates a lot to mine but the preparation sets you apart and I know for a fact, like you're going to coach and go on and, and do amazing things. And I ask this question around the end of every podcast, that's all good and great. The accolades, the achievements, what you're going to go and do with your career is great. But what's like the moonshot goal for you? Like what if when you're 80 years old and sitting in the rocking chair and you can tell a story other than like being the GM, like what fires you up? Like, say you become this GM, like, what would it be cool to say that you have done for the people that, that you coached? You know, I would love to be on a stage one day speaking to people publicly. And I've always thought it was so cool how people do TED Talks. I think that is the coolest freaking thing. The fact that someone thinks that you are as inspirational, motivational, and have a story to tell that you can get on a stage on a red circle and be broadcasted to the universe, and people take value from five minutes of words you have to say, I think 
it's not only just getting there, but the preparation that it's going to take to memorize that speech and get that speech perfect and then produce it and just perform. I think that that would be an amazing accomplishment to one day even tell my grandkids. Okay. So who out there that's listening right now has a connection to a TED Talk speaker? Because we're going to make this shit happen. (laughs) (laughs) What would you... Okay. So I love this part of the talk. Um, TED Talk is right up my alley and I've, I've went to one of my buddies. If you were going to be in a TED Talk in the next year, what would, what would the conversation be about putting you on the spot here? Oh yeah, you are probably about keep moving forward. And that's kind of been my mindset. And so that your listeners know, you know this, but I have a tattoo on my right wrist. That's just the number 24. And I used to be the person that was so focused on what's happening in a month from now and a year from now, and I would get so overly stressed out about it. But just focusing on the day that you have in front of you and taking one step forward each day, getting like you preach 1% better each day, making every heartbeat count. That's really what my mantra has been up until this point, 23 years of life, almost 24, is that I've just been trying to keep moving forward. And even through the dark days and the bright days, that's all you can do. And wow, like I, I actually went home and told my wife about your tattoo. I wanted to come on here and tell you that I got it already. <laughs> Shut up. No, <laughs> you didn't. No, I didn't. But um, oh. I, I'm planning. I'm probably going to. I just tricked you. But uh, You didn't. No, I, I was like, I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm highly considering it because when I heard you say that, it like, cause I have a heart, I have a heart line, uh, an EKG on my arm to just every time that I get stressed or anxious, I just look down at it and realize that like, none of this really matters. Like I'm breathing. I have a heartbeat, like any, any type of external stress, it's just going to go away within 24 hours, within the next day or two or week. And the focus on just like living. And when you said that you had that tattoo immediately, I was like, damn, like I need to get this thing. The way that I work though is like, cause that's a smaller tattoo. I'll get it when I get like a bigger one. I still have to yeah. finish my sleeve. So when I get that, I'm probably going to get that 24. Um, and then I'm going to tag the purpose project. Um, that so makes me so happy. And it reminds me of <laughs> Zach um, from Live a Great Story because he has a bunch of people that have Live a Great Story tattooed on them from his brand. But the 24 is just so good. And it, I think for me, as I get a little bit older, I'm realizing how much, again, because we're athletes, like you know that your body only has a certain amount of energy mm-hmm. within it every single game. Like you can push it, but it does have a finite amount. And I think when we're younger, we think our brain has a capacity to just inject everything and stress about everything. But as you get older, you get really picky on like what you exert your mental capacity on and who oh, yeah. you spend your mental capacity on. And that 24 is just such a good reminder especially today when a lot of people are struggling with mental health to just look at that and realize that like the only impact I can have is like in these 24 hours. And Mm -hmm. I talk to my wife, Erin, about this all the time because you worry about the future and you get anxious about the future and we stress about our past. We stress about things that we can't change. Mm -hmm. And the reality it really is, is the better that you can just focus on what is this current moment? Like what can I change this current moment? If you have a great day, it's going to lead to a great week because you just focus on having a great day each and every time. So we're getting close to wrapping up here and I kind of have a, a final couple questions. So you mentioned you're in, in Philly right now and I was born and raised in Philly and outside of Philly in New Jersey. What is your, this is kind of like, again, a selfish question. What is your favorite part about Philadelphia? I love how the city is a bunch of cities in itself. Every single area of the city is a completely different vibe. I mean, you can spend time downtown in Center City, Rittenhouse, or go to Old City, or the Italian market, or even up where Temple is. It's just every single area is completely different, and it's never a dull day, like honestly. And I also love how you can walk the city basically head to toe in like a few hours, and it's so walkable. It makes getting your cardio in so easy. And I just, the passion also behind all the Philly sports, although I am a New England fan, I do (laughs) respect Philly for the amount of love and dedication they have to their sport. So definitely that. And you kind of hit the nail on the head on why I asked that question, because once I found out that you were in Boston, 
I hated Boston my entire life, like only because you're you're Philly sports fan. So it's like Dallas and Boston, and now I'm in Texas where Dallas is like right here. <laughs> and uh, Boston, and my one of my best friends, Jeff, he lives in downtown Boston, and uh, I visited a couple of times. It's such a beautiful city, mm-hmm. and what that taught me is the whole age old lesson of like don't judge a book by its cover. And it's funny because when you play sports, it's just like oh. F that city, never go in there. Um, which leads me to th- the final question because you mentioned where you want to go in your life. What would be kind of like the dream city for you for you to be in? And the reason I asked this specifically for you um is because again, I'm always trying to connect people. And maybe there's a listener out there that is playing softball in the city and or has connections in sports in the city of your dreams. And yeah, where would that be? That's a great question too. And I'm not going to lie, I don't have an answer because I want to move around. I want to be in a ton of different cities. I want to explore. I want. I never even knew that life in Philadelphia was a possibility when I lived up in Massachusetts. Like when I stepped out of my comfort zone and I decided to move to Philly without knowing a single soul, I thought to myself, I can do this again and again and again, and meet so many amazing people, have so many amazing experiences, just because I'm okay with taking a leap alone. And I'm willing to move anywhere. So I'd say, let me give you, I'll give you the top three that I'd be interested in moving to. So I'm going to say Austin, Texas. I'm not going to lie. I have a few friends that live there. I have heard wonderful things. I've never been though. So I'm dying to visit. So Austin, Texas, Chicago, definitely considered moving there and San Diego. I love all those cities. San Diego is on my hit list to potentially live there a couple months out of the year because um, I miss the beach and I love Chicago. I just could never handle that cold. So that's, that's, I loved your answer as well because moving around, I think, is one of the things, especially in today's day and age, is so much easier and you can travel and work and connect with people. Um, and especially for like if you're going to continue to podcast, that's an, an amazing thing to get into. But unfortunately, we're getting close to wrapping up. I'd love to connect our guests with you. So feel free. This is your moment to talk about anything that you have started or trying to promote or sell or get people to listen to or connect with you on Instagram. Tell them what you're working on and where they can connect with you and what they can connect with you about. Absolutely. Well, The Purpose Project, obviously, my podcast. If you just look up The Purpose Project, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, basically anywhere you can listen to your podcast. So definitely check us out. And on Instagram, we're The Purpose Project Pod. I post on there all the time, updating as much as possible. And then you can find my personal Instagram through that as well. I don't feel like it's pronouncing and spelling my name on here because it's too Italian and too complicated. But CJ, thank you so much for having me on um, your podcast. It's been an honor. And honestly, this conversation is just like launching me into the rest of my week. I'm like super like amped up right now. Like I have to go sit in a two hour and a half hour class after this. <laughs> and I'm like just like raging, ready to like lift or like go for a run or something. But yeah, you're doing amazing things with this podcast and just with your whole aura in life. And I appreciate you very much. And I'm glad we are building this connection. Likewise. Uh, and I always say like, I, I would be, this podcast would be nothing without guests like yourself and what you're doing out in this world. Like we, we build it to help shine light on people like yourself. And I don't take that lightly. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know you're super swamped with everything going on. So it was absolutely my pleasure. If someone were to listen to your podcast, I always ask this, who is the target customer, client, listener, for your podcast. So if they if they listen to this one and they're looking to check it out, what should they be expecting? Like what type of person would love your podcast? I think anyone in their 20s, early 20s, late like 30s, when if you're just searching for your purpose in life and you're looking for relatability and clarity in what you may be going through, I bring on so many wonderful people like CJ. I have a general manager of a minor league baseball team coming on my podcast in a few weeks. I've had mental health coaches, business coaches, mindset coaches, all these different individuals that have such a unique view on life. So if you're looking for conversations that are just going to get you amped up and maybe inspired, then I highly recommend checking it out. I recommend it as well. 
Um, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. And just being on the, on that show and, and like digging through the questions of what my purpose was and is, um, I feel like it changes every single day at this point because of the questions that you asked me, I, I start reflecting on my own purpose and, and why I'm here. And it helps me live a better life. Just like you said, like, I feel like I can run through a brick wall, which I'm going to go run on the track with my wife tonight. And I have a little extra juice now, thanks to you. But for everybody listening, I just want to thank you again for tuning in to this episode. My biggest takeaway from this entire conversation was the power of the pivot. I'm going to be talking about this tonight in one of my panels, but just hearing your story, Emily, of like how you just take everything in stride and just keep moving forward, like you said, keeps me grounded in the fact that like things aren't going to be perfect. And that once I hop off this episode, just like how we were keep moving forward before this episode where Zencaster wasn't necessarily working, I have a couple of things that were kind of ticking me off before I hopped in this episode, but I'm going to hammer those out right after this and just keep it moving forward and realizing that like my, my true purpose on here is that exactly, that 1% better. So I really, really thank you for tuning in. And for all our listeners, I look forward to chatting with you guys soon. Until next time, this is CJ Finley with the Thrive On Life podcast. Thrive on y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of our small team at Thrive On Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and join our mighty network. In this network, you will find a diverse group of people that is on a mission of self-improvement and honing the mentality to get 1% better each and every day. Within each improvement we make as individuals, we can then be of service to this world and help it get better as a whole. What's awesome is we've already had people make new friends, receive job offers, and collaborate on new business and creative opportunities. But most importantly, within this group, you will be guaranteed the ability to learn, grow, and share experiences with other like-minded individuals. I know the community would love to connect with you. Before I sign off though, I'd like for you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.